Today on Locked On A's, Brad Osmus appears to be headed to Oakland to become the A's new bench coach. So we're going you over who he A's. is, what he brings Daily with him, Oakland and A's whether podcast. or not we should be Part excited of the about the podcast hire. Network. Let's get Your it, guys. Every day. Stepping to the mic, it's your host, Jason Burke. How's it going, A's fans? And welcome to episode 415 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, nerd baseball fan, Jason Burke. And on today's episode, we are talking about Brad Osmus. We're going over everything you need to know about him as a player, about him as a manager, and him as presumably the next A's bench coach to help support Mark Kotze and his staff. So uh, that's what we're going over today. But uh, before I get into anything, thank you so much for making Locked on A's your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. And as I said before, uh, we're taking a quick YouTube break. Uh, I got the newborn baby. And so I can record audio in clips, video, that's a lot of editing time that I just do not have. So I can edit the audio quickly. So uh, I will be back on YouTube before too long. But for now, I'm trying to get episodes out for you guys. So that's what we got going. But uh, if you miss me, I'm still tweeting. I can tweet from the couch. So uh, follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at by Jason B on Twitter. If you guys have any questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. But let's get into the meat of today's episode. And uh, it starts last week when John Heyman, who is still employed by MLB Network because he's never said a mean thing about Rob Manfred, make of that what you will, uh, he reported that Brad Osmus is expected to be named the A's bench coach. So that led a lot of people to ask, who's Brad Osmus? And I, I'm familiar with him from his managerial ranks. I remember him being a player, but he never really struck me as a great uh, any of those. So I did some digging and now we're going to learn a little bit about him together. So he played for 18 big league seasons and was drafted twice, legitimately drafted twice. And you, you hear players that, you know, were drafted out of high school and just said, no, he was drafted and went to two different teams. The first time was on June 2nd, 1987, the day that I turned two years old. And, uh, that was in the 48th round by the New York Yankees. Uh, the second time he was taken in the 1992 expansion draft by the Colorado Rockies as the 54th overall pick in November of 1992. So he was legitimately drafted by two clubs and went to both of them. And I thought that that was interesting. Uh, in July of 1993, the Rockies traded him over to the Padres in a deal that involved Andy Ashby. If you're old like me, you know the name Andy Ashby. I, I feel like he was good. Um, he he uh, also headed over to San Diego in that deal. And then in 1996, he landed in Detroit. This is, again, Brad Osmus landed in Detroit, where he began starting games on a regular basis, became that, that regular guy that you would see behind the plates. And then from two, 1996 to 2006, he was a full-time catcher because of his defensive skill behind the plate. Uh, they, they weren't necessarily worried, quote unquote, about his his offensive numbers just yet, but uh, they, they weren't great because his offensive numbers, uh, he had an o, OPS plus of at or above 100 twice in 18 seasons. So he was 
below the league average, 16 out of 18 seasons. Not great. But he did swipe double-digit bags five times. So that's something. You know, granted, a 325 career on-base percentage isn't sterling, but when you're contending for a gold glove award year after year, it's not the worst from a catcher. He's He's been okay. A 325 on base in that era from 96 to 2006, before, you know, people were just being raised to get on base. Uh, he was still stealing some bases. He could hit for a little bit of average. He was doing all right. And Osmus ended up with three gold gloves and ended his career with uh, a caught stealing percentage of 35%. Uh, which is good compared to the the league average, which was 30%. So he was 5% above the league average and having a cannon for an arm, or he worked with good pitchers who didn't allow l large leads. You know, t you, you take what you get there. But uh, he had a he had a pretty good career. Not Hall of Fame worthy, but pretty good. I, I would take an 18-year career in basically anything, so good for him. Uh, it also takes a lot to play that long, especially as an everyday catcher. So... Uh, he, he did okay. And it generally means that you're likable as well to play for 18 years and basically be in the same, you know, few clubhouse. He was with Houston for a few, you know, a decent amount of time. He was with Detroit for a decent amount of time. He bounced around a little bit, but as a defensive guy, you have to be able to work well with your pitchers and, uh, or else teams are going to stop signing you up. They're going to stop signing you year after year to bring you back. So he has to be fairly likable. That said, let's talk just real quick about his managerial career and he spent four four seasons as the Tigers manager from 2004 to 2017 and uh, because of that I reached out to Scott Bentley of Locked On Tigers to get his take on Brad Osmus and uh, you guys remember Scott Bentley from being a guest on the show about a month ago or so we talked for an hour it, it was a fun conversation go listen to it but uh, basically Scott said uh, he, he replied and I'll quote him right here quote I'm going to be honest, no one in the fan base is going to give have a single positive thing to say. He's one of the most hated Detroit sports figures in the last 20 years across all sports here. He is despised in Detroit, did nothing with a great roster, and was a total dick the whole time. Um, so that's not great. Uh, it doesn't get... I mean, and to be fair, that is what I remember from his time as the manager of the Detroit Tigers. I didn't remember there being a lot of sterling reviews of his work. So uh, I was kind of expecting that. But coming up on the show, I have some evidence that suggests that Osmus may have been getting a raw deal from Detroit fans. But first, it's the new year and that means New Year's resolution. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill, who likes having chemical spills as their protein bars? Not this guy, not your host of this here podcast, Jason Burke. And that's because Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I want in my, in my Built Bars, my protein bars that taste like candy bars. They're fantastic. And they're only 130 calories. They got four grams of sugar, four grams of net carbs, 17 grams of protein. Try finding that in a candy bar. Yeah, spoiler alert, you can't. But with Built Bar, you can start your new years off the right way. So go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you will get 15% off of your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. 
Welcome back to the Locked On Ace podcast. If you guys are enjoying the show, make sure to hit subscribe wherever you like to hear podcasts. Follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I am at ByJasonB on Twitter. And if you guys have any questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. Also, one more time, thank you guys so much for making Locked On A's your first listen of the day. But let's get back into this episode. And when I heard what Scotty Bentley had to say, I was not surprised because I remember the press around Osmus not being too great in his time from Detroit or even with the Angels, but I decided to look at his managerial numbers anyway. And are these definitely things that you want to look at and make hard decisions? No, not necessarily, but do they paint a little bit different kind of a story? I think so. So here are the numbers that I'm looking at that got me a little bit more excited about Brad Osmus as a potential bench coach. Uh, in, tw- in 2014, uh, taking a team that Jim Leland had gotten to the World Series in 2012, Jim Leland had you know ba- basically been a thorn in the A-side along with those Detroit Tigers teams from the, the early 2010s. But uh, Osmus and the Tigers were swept out of the ALDS by the Orioles. And, uh, you know, that's definitely not what you want with largely the same team, the team that made it to the World Series only to get swept out by the Giants. But, you know, that's a different story. And remember the Orioles being good in the playoffs? Me either. But I do remember being in Disneyland and seeing that the uh, the Tigers were losing and Justin Verlander had lost and being very excited. So uh, I do remember this series, actually. So I'm not sure that that series was Osmus's fault. But, you know, sure, let's blame it on him, Detroit sports fans. And granted, I, I'm going by just what I'm seeing. There may be larger stories. Maybe he made a bad pitching change and that doesn't show up in the stats. But... I'm going with what I'm seeing right here. So game one of the ALDS against the Orioles, Max Scherzer went seven and a third and gave up five earned and getting outdueled by Chris Tillman. One of those guys is still in the league. Uh, I, I think Chris Tillman is out of the league. And uh, Max Scherzer is uh, still one of the best pitchers in baseball. So, you know, there's that. Uh, the Tiger bullpen gave up another six runs in two-thirds of an inning, and Detroit lost that game 12-3. to So I'm not sure that that was necessarily Brad Osmus's fault. They scored three, but, I mean, they were facing the Orioles, and the Orioles never have good pitching. At least I don't think so. And Chris Tillman. Who can't get hits off of Chris Tillman? The Detroit Tigers in 2014, that's who. But uh, in games two and three, those were both one-run games a lot closer. Uh, Game two saw Justin Verlander somehow give up three earned runs in five innings, which is unheard of for A's fans. But then the combination of Jabba Chamberlain and Joaquin Soria gave up four runs in a combined inning of work. So that one... You know, they should have had that one. It didn't work out. But you kind of got to go with the guys that get you there, I think. And those are probably the guys that got him there. And maybe that's where some of the bad blood or some of the, you know, questionable decision making from Barat Osmus uh, stems from for Detroit fans. I'm not positive, but I could look at that and be like, eh, they, they just gave up a bunch of runs in game one. Why are you running with these guys in game two? But who were the other options, quite honestly? Um and then in Game 3, you got David Price. He went eight innings. Remember when David Price was on the Tigers? That was a minute. Uh, he went eight innings, gave up two earned runs, and Bud Norris of the Baltimore Orioles went six and a third and gave up zero runs. So, uh, yeah, they got outdueled by Bud Norris and Chris Tillman and whoever started Game 2. And I'm not saying that it's Brett Osmus's fault because the offense just did not perform at least enough. They, they didn't they didn't do it, and they were basically outdueled by whatever 
the Orioles uh, starter would do, and then the Oriole bullpen, which had Zach Britton at the height of his powers, who was really, really good, and also Andrew uh, Andrew Miller, who was really, really good. Like, before he, like, really burst onto the scene with uh, Cleveland, this is this is the guy that they traded for. So they had a, a pretty solid couple of lefties there in the bullpen and some other guys, too. So that's the bad side of Brad Osmus's record. But the good stuff that the numbers are telling me is that he actually got the most out of the roster that he was given most of those seasons. In 2013, that was Jim Leland's final year as the Detroit Tigers manager. The Tigers won 93 games. According to their Pythagorean record, or basically how many games they should have won based on runs scored and runs allowed, uh, they won six fewer games than they should have. They should have won 99 games in 2013, and uh, they didn't. And Jim Leland was the manager. So whether or not that is a, a reason why they were okay letting him go. Uh, I'm sure that he retired and that's what happened, but they, they could have sweetened the pot if he had been like excelling, but maybe because they were like, hey, we could have had six extra wins this past season. Maybe we'll go with somebody else. And then they turned to a guy that they had a lot of familiarity with, that being Brad Osmus. And Brad Osmus, uh, he was at the helm in 2014 and they should have won 86 games, but they ended up winning 90. And that happens sometimes. And in 2015, the Tigers fell off after losing Max Scherzer to the Nationals and they won just six. 74 games, but Pythagoras and his theorem, uh, he he said that they should have been a 69-win team. So Osmus has another five wins to this club through whatever tactics he's using. Um, at least this is a very surface-level stat. I'm not digging deeper, uh, but that is kind of what I'm seeing. Those first two years, he was getting a lot more out of the team than they had any business doing. And then in 2016, the Tigers were pegged as an 83-win team, but won 86, which added another three runs, uh, or three wins, I guess, to Osmus's plus ledger. And then in his final year, 2017, he gave those three wins back. So uh, he ended up being a pretty solid manager, all in all. In, in his time with the Tigers, he was a plus nine as a manager. In his one season with the Angels, they won 72 games and they were projected for 72 wins, so no change there. He has been, he has gotten good results when he is at the helm as a manager. Is he a jerk? We'll find out, I guess. Uh, but again, he's not going to be the manager of the Oakland A's. He's going to be the number two in command. He will probably manage some games if Mark Katze gets ejected, but... Um, you know, I thought that that was interesting. And just for comparison's sake, because plus nine, is that good for a manager? Is that like average? Is that above average? So I looked it up and uh, just for comparison's sake, I took a look at the team record versus Pythagorean record for Bob Melvin since 2018, the years that the A's were making the playoffs. And in his final four seasons with the A's, he came out at plus two. And the A's were pretty good those, these last few years and won 97 games and in three straight seasons. And they were, or, you know, averaged out at least in 2020. They were a very solid team, but they were also putting in the work and do, they weren't surprising anybody. They weren't, I'm not trying to throw a shade at the Mariners, but they weren't winning a bunch of one-run games like the Mariners and just shutting them down with a, like a pretty good three or four-man uh, bullpen. They were doing it top to bottom day after day. And uh, that is kind of what you see here from Pythagoras and his theorem with Bob Melvin and the A's. And uh, the, the 2014 collapse and a rough 2015 uh, seasons actually put Bob Melvin in the red during his decade with the A's. He did not actually add wins to the A's because of those really, really rough seasons where the A's started off really, really good in 2014 and then weren't 
very good in the uh, in the second half, and we saw a bunch of trades. John Lester retired. Maybe we'll have to give him an A's farewell on a, on a future episode here. Um, but then in 2015, the A's were also not great. They had Billy Butler, and he did not work out. So you could see some of where Bob Melvin ended up in the red because there were some dark times during the Bob Melvin era as well. But you're bringing in Brad Osmus here, and it looks like he might be he might know what he's doing here. So I'm intrigued and uh, you may be able to glean where I'm going with this in the final segment. But uh, coming up, I'm going to let you know where my excitement level is on this hire. But first, Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march towards the playoffs and beyond. We got football playoffs this weekend, my friends. That sounds fun. I haven't watched a ton of, pl- of football this season, but uh, I am excited to watch some playoff football this weekend. And Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year in a new updated desktop and mobile website. So sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code locked on to get started. That is promo code locked on, all one word, all in caps, locked on. And they got you covered from football to basketball to hockey, boxing, and UFC. Yet you also got some baseball futures in there. Is there going to be a season? Let's find out. Put some money on it over at Bet Online. And they've also got plenty of deals that you do not want to wait to take advantage of. All of the amazing offers that they have available for 2022. And Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports because Bet Online is where the game starts. Welcome back to Locked On Ace Podcast. If you guys are enjoying the show and you've made it this far, leave us a five star review on your platform of choice, wherever you can. You can also follow the show on any platform that you want or on social media at Locked On Ace on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at ByJasonB on Twitter. If you guys have any questions for us, please send those to lockedonathletics at gmail.com. So when I saw that the A's were bringing in Brad Osmus, I was not terribly excited because I remember nothing really nice being said about him in either Detroit or Los Angeles. But after seeing those Pythagorean numbers, which definitely don't mean that he's a miracle worker or anything, but they do suggest that he is good at motivating guys while maybe being a jerk. Uh, So it it leads me to believe maybe there is something that another part of the story that is not being told here that uh, I'm intrigued to find out. The good news for us as A's fans is that uh, he's going to be a bench coach and not dealing with the media, so there's going to be a lot less scrutiny headed his way, and he can focus his energy on the on the field stuff like motivating and developing the A's roster, which I'm sure that there's going to be some frustrating moments, but uh, it, maybe he's maybe he's a good developer. I don't know. We're going to find out together, you guys, and with that being the case, uh, with him not being the head honcho, the guy that's going to be facing the media, he's not going to have those outside stressors. He just has to focus on what's going on on the field. I think that I'm on board with this hire. I was not on board when I heard the news and then I did some digging. I'm like, hey, let's give this guy a shot. The obvious bonus here is that he has experience in the manager's seat and by the numbers, he has been good at taking the information in from the front office, you know, the sabermetrics numbers, the the extra numbers, if you will, and uh, getting taking that stuff in and getting the most out of his rosters. He just may have dropped the ball in how he delivers his messages. And maybe that's something that uh, the media was not enjoying in his other two stints. But with Mark Kotze there, maybe he can be the trusted voice that delivers those messages to a clubhouse that already adores him. And we'll see how that goes. I I think that they will be very open to what Mark Kotze is telling them. And uh, I think that if 
Brad Osmus is bringing the knowledge. Maybe Marcotte can convey that a little bit better, and maybe he has a little bit longer stint with the Oakland A's. We'll see. And for what it's worth, there have been some high-profile managers that did not stick with their first or even second managerial gigs before finding their footing. Bob Melvin is one that comes to mind, and the other is A.J. Hinch. Those two guys are two of the better managers in baseball. Uh, one of them may have been cheating for a World Series. Uh, it wasn't Bob Melvin. He's still looking for his, but... Uh, you, you can see that there are still pretty decent managers. And, and I, I guess I'm more so speaking of A.J. Hinch to that one. He did pretty good with the Detroit Tigers in 2021. So sometimes it just takes a stop or two for some guys to really find their footing and find their voice and find the kind of manager that they want to be. And again, Brad Osmus is not going to be the manager, but maybe he's learned from his previous experience. And uh, it, he's got another shot to... Set, up, set himself up for his next managerial role, whether that's with the A's if Kotze flames out or with another team. And uh, he'll be one of those other coveted bench coaches that uh, is always being interviewed by other teams. But uh, I also wanted to point out that Bob Melvin and A.J. Hinch both manage the Diamondbacks. So maybe it's the Arizona Diamondbacks that keep ruining managerial candidates their first go around. But regardless, Brad Osmus is not the manager of the Oakland A's, but he should be a solid number two in command for Mark Kotze. He probably knows some of the angel secrets, though they weren't terribly hard to beat for the A's in 2021. So how valuable those secrets are going to be, especially with an A's team that we're not really expecting to compete. Uh, you know, it, it's all right, but hey, you get wins where you can. And finally, Osmus is a former catcher. Bob Melvin was a former catcher. Bob Guerin was a catcher. Ken Maka caught four games in his career. The A's have a type and it's guys that used to catch. Uh, I don't know. Obviously, they see the whole game and all that stuff. Uh, maybe they'll go a different uh, direction at some point, but they've had pretty decent success with hiring catchers in the past. So with Mark Kotze being a former outfielder, they had to bring in a catcher, right? <laughs> all right, but that's all that I got for you guys today. Thank you so much one more time for making Locked On A's your first lesson of the day. Now that we're all done, go make Sully and Locked On MLB your second lesson of the day. He's free and available on all platforms just like we are. But uh, until we talk again, which will hopefully be very soon because my son is starting to sleep slightly more. Uh, until we talk again, go out and celebrate good times, A's fans, and I will talk at you sometime soon, hopefully.